Coming up now, the Afternoons with Jimmy Smith podcast uh, across the SEN network uh, for the 29th of January, 2024. First day back. Oh, how'd it go? It actually flew by. You know why? We've got a lot of interaction. And some great guests too. Great to have Stephen O'Keefe on. Been covering the test match up there at the Gabba yesterday. And, of course, his final game of first-class cricket or senior cricket with uh, the Sydney Sixers. Interesting, his thoughts around number three and four in the Australian batting lineup. Aaron Sipos, this time last year, was punting in a Super Bowl. Can you believe it? He was a special guest of the program as well. Gave his thoughts on who might be the winner of the Kansas City Chiefs versus San Francisco 49ers Super Bowl, which turned out to be the case. Zach Bailey with all the latest in rugby league. We are two weeks away from trial games in the rugby league. So we're looking forward to that. So Zach gave us his thoughts on the Dragons, the Tigers. He also dug into Tavita Pangai Jr. And Mark Stafford. Oh, Staffy. He told us how much drinking he did <laughs> in his Christmas break. So in matter of fact, he made more sense than ever uh, today, which you might join the dots on that one. And it was great to... Get a preview from Barney about what's coming up on that that uh, run. He's got his own thoughts, Barney, around small towns and what five, six, eight-day test matches should look like. 11.70 a.m., 6.93 a.m. That's how you get it on the radio, the wireless, the crystal set, however it is that you get it. If you want to talk on social media, do that, at Jimmy Smith SEN. Happy to talk about anything at any time. Uh, that's on X, Twitter, whatever it's called now, at Jimmy Smith SN. And because I didn't do it at the end of the program, I was a little bit rusty. So in the meantime, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Thanks to SBS Fences, Portable Toilet and Fence Hire Sydney. This is Afternoons with Jimmy Smith. Give us a call on 1300 01 1170 or text 0457 736 736. Take me out. Well, that's what they tried to do. <laughs> they couldn't quite get rid of me. That's right. Welcome to Afternoons on SEM. I hope you're having a great start to your afternoon. It's the start of the working year. So that's right. As explained with Matty White a little bit earlier, new year, new song, same old me, which is probably going to disappoint a whole heap of people. How are you, peeps? one 1170 Get us on the text line as well. 0457-736-736. In actual fact, it's only four weeks since I've been away, but it's been about eight weeks since I last did an afternoons program. So enjoying getting back to the afternoon with you people across the SEN network. 1170am in Sydney, 693am in Brisbane, and of course those listening on the SEN app. If you haven't already, download it, please. Please remember the Afternoons with Jimmy Smith podcast. It's available. Subscribe now at Apple Podcasts. Do it at Spotify so you don't miss a thing. So big show today, as you would anticipate, coming back after, as I mentioned with Matty White, 48, 72 hours of the most incredible sport. Steve O'Keefe, well, it's all happening for Socky. I arrived back into the country on Wednesday. We're having the great farewell for Steve O'Keefe. And it didn't quite pan out the way he would have wanted. Um, incredible career, though. So we'll have a chat about that. We'll have a chat about the Test match. We'll get to that very shortly as well. Incredible performance from the West Indies. Eagles punter Aaron Sipos to chat the NFL. So we're just trying to determine who's in the Super Bowl 58. And they'll be taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. At this stage, it's looking like the Detroit Lions, which would be a massive upset against the San Francisco 49ers. But Aaron Sipos was there last year. He was punting 
in that Super Bowl. We'll get across the ditch with Staffy and the crew over there at SENZ too. So, uh, good man. Can't wait. Uh, welcome back, Jimmy. The new song is a banger. Western Sydney Eagle. Good on you, Western Sydney Eagle. Uh, great to have you listening as well. It feels like the – and look, Dunny's chipped in as well. You wonderful bastard. You changed the song. Love always, Dunny. Ah, uh, Dunny. Still my third favourite plumber, but I think there's a chance for you to – go up in the rankings this year. I just get that sense. So keep those text messages coming in. 0457 736 736. Righto, let's get stuck into it. Yesterday, yesterday, this happened. Incredible. He lets fly. Hazel's bold. Shamar Joseph has bowled the West Indies to the most romantic of victories. And one of the truly great upsets in Test cricket history. He's off on a lap of honour. <laughs> it's a win and events that will reverberate right through international cricket. And it might be the saviour of West Indies crickets. Shamar Joseph is a legend in his second test match. Yeah, great call from Jared Waitley and the team on SEN. Incredible test match played out over four days. A day-night test match, the first loss ever Australia has had in that format of test. But Shamar Joseph, we knew his story going into the first test match, and that was incredible. But for them, for him to come out, bung toe and all, and take seven for 68 in the second innings. Get man of the match, get man of the series. He's got a test bowling average of 17.5. I know. What does Brooksy say? Small sample space? Small sample space? Yeah, I understand, Brooksy. 13 wickets at 17.5. He's taking a wicket every 20 balls. That is two and a half times better than some of the great players in Test cricket history. Anyway, early time. Let's hear from the man himself. And here, oh, hang on. Where, there he is, Shamar. Uh, this is all my dream. Uh, I must say to play Test cricket for the West Indies. I'm actually live here and I'm not afraid to see this. There, there will be times that um, T20 might come around. Test cricket will be there. And I will say this live, I, I would always be available to, be able to play for the West Indies, no matter how much money it takes or come towards me. So I will always be here to play test cricket. Oh, hang on, stop it. So let's get this straight. He's man of the match and man of the series in his first two test matches. He's got 13 wickets at 17 and a half, and he takes his wickets every 20 balls, and he wants to play for the West Indies no matter what, no matter how much money the IPL throw at him. This guy's a dream. This guy is an absolute dream. Where did the motivation come for this West Indies team? Where did it come? Let's hear from Rodney Hogg, former Australian fast bowler. Let's not beat around the bush. They were hopeless. Uh, we should have two divisions now. We can't have these weak sides coming out here. Mitchell Stark with a brand new pink ball, he's going to run straight through them. Um, so I wouldn't think the game would go any further than three days. They're pathetic. Well, I look back at the West Indies of Ireland, and we're down stretching on the ground, and they're running past in speedos, and I'm going, gee, look at their muscles. These days, the West Indies, they'd be running past in overcoats. Oh, dear. <laughs> now, Rodney's got a habit of getting it. Look, he's got it right. If you've ever heard Rodney Hogg speak at a public event, he is absolutely brilliant. Like He's thoroughly entertaining, Rodney Hogg, and a lot of the stuff he... He talks about against it. And I was I looked at yesterday on Twitter and Rodney Hogg was trending. And I'm like, oh, what's hope Hoggy's okay? You know, you always get that thought when you see him see them trending. But anyway, and of course people were then posting when Hoggy batting for Australia, I don't know what it was, but he just stepped away when the great Michael Holding was running in and it looked it looked awkward. Uh, and they were saying, Oh, that Rodney Hogg, you're talking about the same bloke. Craig Braithwaite referred to it. 
post-match and the motivation that he provided for this West Indies side. I must say, we had two words, you know, that inspired us in this last match. Mr. Ronnie Hogg said we're pathetic and hopeless. So, my, so, so that was our inspiration. We wanted to show the world we're not pathetic. And I must ask him, are these muscles big enough for him? <laughs> so he's, he's put out a must muscular. What is he, 13? I've got a son that does that all the time. But anyway, Craig Brathwaite, well done. Well done. A great test match, it must be said. Uh, Travis Head, how are you going, Trav, up there at the Gabba? So he's been dismissed four times in four balls in his last four bats at the Gabba. But uh, incredible. So what do we make of the summer? Not quite perfect, was it? It's sort of like you, you had this great romance all the way through the summer and then she dumped you just before you went back to school. But uh, four wins from five test matches. Uh, and so that's a, a, you know, a, a very good performance. You would have expected to win them all, I would have thought. I think... Mitch Marsh expected to win them all. I got a sense of that. Trent Copeland, our very own Trent Copeland, he and Michael Karianis doing the the breakfast show on SEN. But this is Trent Copeland speaking with Mitch Marsh before day four. That was yesterday, talking about his journey into Test cricket and what the day might hold. What about overhead conditions? You mentioned there's a few clouds around. How much does a forecast play in your mind? Do you want to get this done? <laughs> Yeah, well, cheekily, there's a Sunday night in Brisbane on the cards here, so um, <laughs> I'd like to get it done. But, um, <laughs> uh, look, yeah, we want to get, get it done and, um, and hopefully finish off the summer with a nice win. Oh, yeah, they got it done. They got it done, Mitchie. I think Mitch still had his Sunday night out in Brisbane, which I'm sure he thoroughly enjoyed. Can, can someone please give me the reaction of Alan Robert Border if he heard that audio? I mean, there was Craig McDermott at the top of his bowling mark saying, I've got a little bit of a tummy ache. And AB said... You keep going on like that, I'll put you on the plane, next plane home. Two hours later, Craig McDermott was rolling around in agony with a twisted bow, and he didn't play for the rest of the Ashes tour. Imagine if he heard Mitch Marsh say, oh, i got a big Sunday night in Brisbane planned. We'll get it done. Got a little ahead of themselves, did the Australian side. And that happens. We're not going to be too hard on that. We're not going to be too hard. Oh, give me your thoughts of the summer of Test cricket, though. Uh, I'd, I'd love to hear, well done, Steve Smith, 91 not carried his bat, nearly got it done after all the naysayers were saying, mm, maybe he's not an opener, maybe he's not an opener. He looked okay. Uh, some people suggesting he's batted as well as he did in 2019 in that performance yesterday and the day before. But love to get your thoughts on that. I'll tell you what it will give you my thoughts on, and this will happen a little bit later on in the program, that is the future of Test cricket. And this is our talk topic for today, Brooksy and I. When you step back, when you go out of your normal routine, so I've been to L.A., uh, hanging out, <laughs> not with anyone famous or anything, just with my wife and kids. But uh, it gives you perspective, right? You, you look at things in a different way and you see how things are done in one way and how things could be done differently. So I want to know, if you've had a bit of time off during the course of this summer, have you been given perspective on things, anything? I've got mine on test cricket, but you might have yours on something. It might not be sport related. I'm happy with that. But you give me your thoughts. I'll get back to that very shortly. Men's Australian Open final, three hours and 44 minutes. It was incredible. Yannick Sinner is a new major tournament winner. Here's the championship point. He made the first serve. Medvedev goes backhand cross court. Sinner backhand cross court. Medvedev backhand cross court. Up the line by Sinner. Cross court forehand. Medvedev up the line by Sinner. And it finishes in style off his forehand. 
that has been the absolute devastating wing in this tournament at full stretch, Yannick Sinner. It's the most appropriate shot to make him a Grand Slam champion. Three hours and 44 minutes, a 22-year-old from Northern Italy has done an incredible job to get back into this match and go on and actually win the whole thing. Down by two sets. Great call there, Brett Phillips, as always, uh, for SEN. Uh, down two sets to love and then comes back to win his first major tournament, as mentioned. Number four in the world. He's defeated the number three, Daniel Medvedev. Medvedev, just incredible what he's been able to do during the course of this Grand Slam. Points one. This is the one that blows me away. So the final scoreline was at 6-4, 6-3, and, and when you look at it across the five sets, Sinner won 142 points and Medvedev won 141. One point. That's it. It's that tight when it comes to levels, especially when these two guys are arguably the two best tennis players on the planet over the course of the last 12 months. I know Novak Djokovic, I know, but Yannick Sinner has now won his first Grand Slam. He beat Djokovic in the semi-final, and then he meets, beats Medvedev after being two sets down in the final. So he's from Northern Italy. He's 22 years of age. He speaks German, Italian, and English. Uh, and if you want to have, have a little bit of a look at that and, and see all the things that Yannick Sinner is doing, so he's got a bit going on Yannick um, which is great but I'm just looking at his endorsement portfolio so he's got endorsements from Nike Head Rolex Gucci Lavazza so he's got the coffee covered Alfa Romeo there's his car Fastweb don't know what that is Techno Gym so he's in shape clearly Formula One there's that car theme again and Parmigiano Reggiano so that's got his that's his cheese covered there so well done you Yannick Sinner, but incredible victory for him. So congratulations to him on that one. Daniel Medvedev, that's his third Australian Open final. He's 0-3. Here's the other part. First player to play more than 24 hours in a Grand Slam tournament. He played for a day. He played five five-setters. He played for a day. And then we get to the winner of the women's final, Arena Sabalenka. She's 25 years of age. She's gone back-to-back at the Aussie Opens. Guess how many hours she spent on court? Eight hours on court. In total, for the tournament, she got the same amount of prize money. Go on, Brooksy. You you told me to say You said, and then you say that, and then say that. It was like, you're rock solid, Brooksy. But does it get you thinking? Yelena Dockies has called her the complete package and now very Serena-like. Do we get thinking about that? You know what the comeback is for Arena Sabalenka? Well, when you win so well like me, you don't need to spend all that time on the court. I think there's a balance in there somewhere, but let us know your thoughts. one 300 Matty Ebden, well done to him. He's won the men's doubles with the newly crowned world number one and Indian veteran, 43 years of age. The crowd favourite, Ravi Bopana. So well done to him. But overall, if you want to talk about the rude health of tennis in this country, what about the rude health of all live sport? So the NBL crowds are going through the roof. Tennis was record crowds. The BBL on the back of give them less, give them less. Scarcity is a thing. Don't make it 14 games, make it 10. Guess what? People turned up in droves. 15 days and nights at Melbourne Park, so that's a a first time. 1.1 million people through the gate. And have a think about this one. 
When Lee Na played in the final, she won it in 2014, 100 million people in China watched. So how many people were watching that game, Arena Sabalenka, up against Zung Kin Wen? Like that, that is huge audiences. And no wonder Craig Tiley and the team down there at the Australian Open position themselves as the Grand Slam of Asia because that's where a lot of your audience is. So that's the big couple of scores coming out over the last 24 hours. Well done, the Socceroos, 4-0 over Indonesia. So they're into the quarterfinals of the Asian Cup. England and India have played out an incredible test match as well. That was done on day four. And right now in the NFL, looking to determine who will take on the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl 58. What about this? The Detroit Lions are leading the San Francisco 49ers 24 points to seven. And that is at Levi's Stadium. one 300 The text line 0457-736-736. Right. Anyone else you wanted me to slag off at all? No, Brooksy? No, nah, that's pretty much the list covered there. Right? All right. Let's get ourselves to a first break. We'd love to get a call from you first up. one 300 We're going to break and then we're back with much, much more. All righty, welcome back to the program. Uh, I'm going to give a score update in this Detroit Lions versus San Francisco 49ers game. If you don't want it, if you're, is taping it still a thing? Oh, I'm taping it till I get home. I suppose it still is. Um, so turn the radio down now. Detroit Lions 24-7 and what we've got 12 and a half minutes remaining in the third quarter. So lots of time remaining at Levi's Stadium if you are a 49ers fan. A lot of feedback about the song. Welcome back, Jimmy. About time you got back to the noon time slot. How good. And as for the new song, not bad. Theme to Ghostbusters <laughs> would have been better. Thank you, 554, who actually is now signing off his text messages, says 554. Okay, so thank you, 554. We've never discovered his or her identity over the course of two hours. Maybe Brooksy has. He's giving me a look like that. Uh, Jimmy, the new theme song makes you sound youthful. It's a bit like when Richie Bonneau released Marvellous. Thank you. Stingray. Uh, it's nothing like that. But anyway, uh, we do appreciate it. one 300 So we are talking about the test match, of course, being played up there at the Gabba. Let us know if you were there. I know you weren't there yesterday, obviously. But you might have been there day one, day two or day three. They had incredible crowds at the Gabba. So it relegated the Perth test to mm, awkward. Brilliant stadium. No one turns up. But... Uh, the Gabba, the day-night test match, the timing. Did it feel okay? It felt good to me. I'm thinking, you know, usually we go Sydney test match ends the summer of test cricket. But to me, maybe it was because I had some time off, but sort of Australia Day, or dare I say it, January 26, signals the end of summer, right? The summer break. People go back to work. People go back to school. The final test match over that period of time and then saying, right, all done and dusted. Let's get ready for some short-form cricket or some test cricket overseas. Hello, New Zealand. Or we start getting ready for the NRL season or AFL, wherever it is that you live. That sort of felt right to me. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. I've got my thoughts on the future of test cricket, which I will get to after the news break, you'd be recording it, not taping it. Yeah, that's a good point, 450. You would be recording it. Actually, you know what you do? You just pause it and you get it on delay. Like That's how you do it these days. All right, let's get ourselves to the news. After that, we're back with reflections of some time spent away. 
Welcome back to the program. one 1170 Get us on that text line, 0457-736-736. Yes, as we say, new song, same old me. Same old Rooster Muzz too. Rank new song, rank buttonmanship. Thank you, Rooster Muzz. Great to hear from you. Hope you have a great 2024. Kev from Camden, thank you for your help during the course of the summer, Kev. I'll give you a call this afternoon. Welcome back, James. Equal pay should reflect equal playing field. So are the ladies happy to play five-set matches in the tennis? How far down the men's list do you have to go until you find one that only played eight hours on the court? Well, there'll be a lot in the first-round losers that would qualify for that one, Kev. But it's an interesting point, isn't it? I, I, I'm actually in favour, and I don't know why we don't have women's five sets over the course of Grand Slam tournaments. I don't know. I, I don't know why that's not the case. Uh, if anyone could explain that to me, That'd be great. If, if the answer is because it's too taxing physically, I'm like, ooh, that's not the answer that I'm looking for. Keep those text messages coming in, 0457 736 736. I told uh, earlier, uh, Brooksy is producing today, which we're very excited about here. And as of tomorrow, he's going back to the, it's the drive show. So fair enough. Brooksy, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Jimmy. I'm fresh. I'm, I'm very fresh. Came back last week from three weeks in Bali. Who has three weeks in Bali? I don't know. Us. Right. I, I've only been for a week before yeah. that. No one goes At for the more most, than a week. Weddings, you know, seven days back home. I spoke but, to Anna from sales here. Oh, I went to Bali. All right. How long? Seven days. I'm like, yeah, Brooksy's a weirdo. It's, it's like uh, Bali's Hansel. It's so hot right now. There's so many Aussies <laughs> getting over there. Because everyone's happy that you're back yes. after COVID. Yes. Uh, restaurants, day clubs, everything. Right. Buzzing. Right. People from all over the world going there. Russians, Americans, Kiwis, Pommies. Two weeks. Two weeks is a long time. Three weeks is you're almost a permanent. It's a good time. Yeah, right. Okay. Hey. <laughs> no, but yeah, very much relax mode. Getting ready, like you said, summer of cricket, tennis. Yes. In the rearview mirror, although we've got a few ODIs against the Windies. Yes, and some test weekend. matches against New Zealand. But, the, but now NRL, f- less than five weeks away to Vegas. We're 12 days away from trial games. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what, though? I was thinking about this as I was coming to work today. And as a player, you've just you've had enough of pre-season training. Mm. I mean, it might be a little different now that yeah, they do a lot more contact within training, but you've just had enough. You just want to play games. You've done all this tough physical work. You're feeling as good as you're ever going to feel during the course of a year physically. You just want to play games. So that's that's where the NRL players are at at the moment. One thing you should be able to do during three weeks away is reflect, perspective, pull back, give you a look at things. Were you able to – I was able to over there in the – I'm looking at things. I'm watching a lot of NFL over there. I'm just engaged with people. I'm checking scores back in Australia, and I'm like, this seems so obvious to me. But it's, it's not brand new, but – I think I've got a solution. Anything for you? I might have been a little too relaxed. <laughs> the only reflecting was the light off the pools that I was staying in the villas and the day clubs. Oh, third degree burns. <laughs> um, all right. So never have I been more clear about the fact that there need to be four-day test matches for cricket. Okay? Think about the benefits. And then this is the question I'm going to ask you, the listener. If you can tell me, explain to me, what do we deprive ourselves of by not having a fifth day? Think about that test match yesterday. Going into that final day, day four, and I'm talking about the, the Gabba test match, there were still three of the four options as a result available for that game. We very nearly got to the incredible tie, which would have been the second tie against the West Indies at the Gabba. But 
Draw was out of the equation because there was just too much time left. And, hey, no one wants to see a draw anyway. But tie, win, loss was all available. Think about the game over there, England versus India. Tie, win, loss, all available. That happened in four days. Think about the four innings total, overs bowled for both test matches. The one over there, India versus England, 356.5 overs bowled in four days. And the one up at the Gabba, 284.2 overs bowled. So what do we think? We got five days of test cricket, 90 overs a day. That's a possible 450 overs. And yet, if we dropped it to four-day test matches, and instead of having, let's call it 11 to 6, so seven hours of play, we've got eight hours of play. So stay with me on the maths on this one. I'm going to make these test cricketers play from 10 till 6 p.m. Right, Roll that into the news if you want to broadcast it. That'd be great. So you've got an extra hour's play throughout the course of the day. That's an extra 15 overs. You multiply that by four, you've got 420 overs. So you're only 30 overs less. And the last two test matches that we've seen played, it's way short of 420 overs. Were they thrilling test matches? Yes. Do you think people want to come back for more? Of course they do. But why would you even contemplate? A fit? You think about how that frees up your schedule. And here's the thing. The broadcasters, people say, oh, what about the broadcast deal? How are they going to be with that? How much money of that broadcast deal goes to test matches and fifth day of a test match? Like, it's minimal. It's nominal. Here's the other thing they're worried about. Wear and tear. How are we going to get one of those spinning fifth-day wickets? Well, you go to India, you get a spinning second-day wicket. But in Australia, if you have those overs bowled, then you get natural wear and tear on the pitch. And here's the other thing. So now we're talking over rates as well. So I'm going to give these teams across the eight hours that they're encouraged to play, 10 till 6 p.m., I'm going to give them two 30-minute breaks. Call it lunch, call it tea. Forget about 40 and 20. I'll give you two. The first one, you take lunch. Whenever it happens to be, 30 minutes. You don't need 40 minutes. That's just a space for the broadcasters to fill. What do you do if you're at the ground? Stand around, have a beer. You can do that at any point. Stand in line to grab some food. So we're making lunch only 30 minutes, not 40 minutes. What about the traditions? Who cares? Here's the other thing. You're going to have 30 minutes at tea unless you're behind on the overrate. If you're behind on the overrate, you have to... Keep bowling during that tea break until you catch up. If you're three overs behind and that takes you 12 minutes, guess what? Your tea break goes 18 minutes. If you've got people out there at the ground, and indeed the broadcasters who are prepared to pay huge amounts of money relative that they want to see a fair day's play, you can't tell me that then frees up the schedule for everything that you want to do during the course of that season of cricket. one 1170 The text line 0457-736-736. Oh, Staffy, Staffy, you there, buddy? We're due to go across to Australia, which let's do that now. Oh, <laughs> oh they've got a new intro song. Yeah, new intro, new song. You know what's funny, Jimmy? We're going to take your old one. Are you? Wake up, kids who got the dreamers disease. I was talking to Sammy because, you know, we change our intro song maybe twice a year. Wow. And it's it's about that time now. I said, I really love Jimmy Smith's one. Do you think he'd be pissed off if we used it? <laughs> Have you asked Brandy about it, though? No. Well, you know what the lead singer 
of the New Radicals' name is? No, I don't. It's Greg Alexander. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> well, it's spelled with two Gs, so it's Greg Giga Alexander. Greg Giga. Greg Giga. Yeah. Greg Giga. Yeah, exactly. How you been, Staffy? Oh, summered well. Did you? Oh, oh yeah. In what way? Look, I ate a lot. I drank. Uh, I, I never got drunk, but I drank every day, which I I drink a day a month as a, as a normal normal run of the mill type of year. But I was drinking every day, and I was loving it. I found I discovered a a blood orange gin, Jimmy. Wow. Oh, oh my goodness, tremendous stuff. Wow. Have you been able to work something into your <laughs> your on air work there that allows a crate to turn up once a month or something like that? <laughs> I haven't yet. No, that's right. no, that, that's that's the Australian host domain, isn't it? You, you weave in like some little contras. Uh, hang on, just as I step out of my SBS portable toilet. <laughs> 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 exactly, that's right. SBSfence.com.au too, by the way, if you do want that. Uh, now, I want to ask, oh, there's a lot to ask you, okay? So, okay. We, we, um, Joe Schmidt, yep. <laughs> G- give me the rundown. What have we done? Have we done it again with Robbie Deans and now we've we've fallen for the two card trick, three card trick from the from the Kiwis again? Um, no, because he comes as a package, doesn't he, with Nusafora and the other bloke who's your head of high performance. They're the three that turned Ireland around. So I think you have to ignore the Rennie, ignore the Robbie Deans thing and look at what's the best available. I think you've got the best available. I really do. He's a real from speaking to players that have played with him, Jimmy, he is tough as old nails. He's, you know, if you have a good cop, bad cop, he's all the bad cops wrapped up into one. He's going to have to have a, yeah, he, he is incredibly demanding, incredibly unforgiving, and that's the way he rolls. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, we'll have to wait and see. Hey, what about this? Carl Stefanovic, he's got a production company now, which is so very Margot Robbie of him. But yes. anyway, <laughs> his, his first doco, The Wallabies. It airs on February 22nd. Three-part series follows the Wallabies as they take on the Rugby World Cup 2023 in France. <laughs> so if I look that in, uh, on Netflix, do I search the horror category? <laughs> Comedy, I think is where you'll find it. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, it'll be really interesting. What? Well, that makes it a good documentary, right? Yeah, I think it will. Like, you, you don't just make documentaries about everything that wins. You've got to have some losses as well. Name a great documentary about it. Oh, actually, now that, that oh, there's a, the greatest documentary, sports documentary I've ever seen was about a loss of life. Was it? Yeah, it was called Senna. And it was about oh, the great Brazilian Senna. Formula One driver, Ayrton Senna. And it's, yeah. the, it's the greatest sports documentary I've ever seen. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I've loved Breakpoint and your very own Nick Curios, who I know is a divisive character. Yes. I love him. I love him. I think he's a breath of fresh air. He does some dumb things, but, God, we all do. And apparently he was a huge hit in Australia in the commentary team. I heard a little bit of it, I, I, and I only heard it across social media, right, because it was like Nick Curios is actually a thing yeah. it was during commentary. Yeah. And there's no real surprise on that. From my understanding, the guys – uh, the group that made Point Break, which is the same guys who made Drive to Survive, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, once you do one, they just everyone gets you for that. So Point Break, and they all wanted the same outcomes. Break that point. was Break Point. Point, point Break. Point break. <laughs> <movie>. <laughs> Utah. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> Two for you, Utah. Uh, um, now, uh, so what, basically what they they worked out very quickly as they followed these elite athletes around was most of them as boring as batshit except Nick Kyrgios. Yeah, that's it. And like his episode was epic. It was so good. And you see the inside, the, the inner workings of him. I, I spent a bit of time um, over Christmas with a guy that, oh, you're old enough to remember. You, so you remember Ilya Nastasi, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, nasty, nasty yes. Nastasi. They yes. used to call him. Well, my mate, who who was a member of Wimbledon, played with Ilya Nastasi. There's a there's a um, pre Wimbledon tournament the week before Wimbledon, and he paired up with Ilya Nastasi okay. uh, for three years and won it. And the year before that, he actually played with Peter McNamara, another oh, yeah. great Aussie doubles yeah. man, and won it with him. And he said Ilya Nastasi is nuts. And that he asked Ilya Nastasi about Nick Kyrgios not long ago, and he said he's only ten percent bad as me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine it? Yeah. Uh, was it Vitas Gerolitis who beat, I think, beat Ivan Landor, or maybe Borg in a final, and then he basically set up shop in a nightclub for a week. <laughs> yeah, well, that, I that could. Was I can tell you a, a diluted story right. about Ellie Nastasi and my mate Dave at the nightclub after the um, the third of their three doubles wins, and Ellie said he wasn't going to play anymore. And he texts Dave, and he said, "This is where we are." He walked in, and he thought he'd walked into a cross between um, Narcos, <laughs> Miss Miss Universe. And a Jim Beam factory. He said okay. it was just eye-watering. Okay, I think you've said it all there. Can you tell me any more about Ronald Volkman? What's going on there? The Warriors have agreed to pay for surgery, right? Just because we're good blokes. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't on our guys. It really wasn't on our guys. I think the one that um, encapsulated it best was Sats. Scotty Sattler, I saw a thing on social media that he said. And he said, yeah, partly the Warriors, partly... Um, Volkman, um, but it, it sits it sits with the new club and with his manager. Yeah. Due diligence wasn't done. Yep. End of. So here's the other thing, and so Mario Tartak is his manager, Ronald Volkman, and and yes, the Dragons have some culpability here. But at what point do you say, okay, we'll get you out of that contract before you've got the other one locked in? Yeah, yeah. Like that because yeah, they went to the Warriors and said we want out, and they said okay, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hang on, <laughs> can you just wait? Until we saw yeah. something else out of there. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a strange one. And and just quickly, mate, Isaac Luke coming out of retirement for the All-Stars game. When that was mentioned to me, I was like, that's a prank? Is it, What's going on there? I actually hadn't heard that. Yeah. Is he? Apparently. It's been he played up one... in Townsville. Oh, wow. Yeah. He'll go good for five minutes. <laughs> well, maybe that's the thing. It's an All-Stars game, right? Just bring out a former, former great player who might still be able to you know do something for five or ten minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Highlight, highlight interview of your show today, Jimmy, is? It is Mark Stafford from SENZ. Correct answer. <laughs> Good on you, buddy. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Have a great 2024. Cheers. There is uh, the great Mark Stafford from SENZ. All right, let's get ourselves to a break. Keep the text messages coming in, 0457 736 736. Agree 100% on a four-day test, but only if they actually bowl the required overs, says Matt from Hunters Hill. And that's why, Matt from Hunters Hill, we have that little part of the tea break where you don't go to tea until you've caught up all the overs that you are behind. If you're three overs behind, you keep bowling those. If it takes 12 minutes, 15 minutes, then you only get 15 minutes for tea. You only need 30 minutes for the lunch break. Let's be honest. You only need 30 minutes. 
And it's less fill for the broadcasters. We all know that. All right, let's break, and then we're back with more. You're listening to Afternoons on SEN. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Uh, score update coming from Levi's Stadium. Turn down your wireless. 24 apiece. Three minutes remaining in the third quarter. 24 all. It is game on. Uh San Francisco, uh, just incredible to come back from the 49ers. Now, lots of people having their say on the test match. Keep the fifth day as a rain spare activated if greater than 50 overs total lost. So all that sort of stuff, Damo. Uh, he's saying, welcome back. The King's strong yesterday, finally. Cricket home tests always favours the home team. Do away with toss. And the away team gets to choose, negates pitch doctoring. Did England win the toss versus India? They did, Damo. They did out there at Westmead. Great to have your say on that via the text line, but give us a call. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Four-day test matches, I am convinced. What say you, listeners? Aaron Sipos, punter from the NFL. He'll be coming up very shortly as well. Stick around. Afternoons on SEN. All right, starting to settle into it now. One hour back to work for 2024, and it's all just flooding back, Brooksy. Well, some of it. Uh, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. The text line zero four five seven seven three six seven three six. Four day test. Did you not see the World Test Championship match or four out of the five Ashes Test matches? They all went into day five. Yes, but nine eight four. How long into day five? And would that not have been done? You're, I'm only saying thirty overs less. Five times 90, 450. They never bowl 90 overs. Four times 105, 420. And if you haven't bowled them up to the tea break, you've got to make up the overs that you are behind. So the West Indies has upset the Aussies yesterday at the Gabba. An eight-run win. Spectacular test match cricket played in four days. We've got three ODIs coming up very shortly against the West Indies too. All that heard on SEN. Arena Sabalenka goes back-to-back. Yannick Sinner. Gets his first major win. England have upset India in their first test match. (coughs) Four days. Uh, Four nil. That was the scoreline for the Socceroos through the Asian Cup quarterfinals. And Saudi Arabia or South Korea are their next opponents. Lots of feedback coming via the text line. We'll get to the open line very shortly as well. one 1170 And we do that thanks to SBS Fence, Portable Toilet and Fence Hire in Sydney. Uh, check them out, sbsfence.com.au. Jaleesa Apps has tweeted me. Oh. Uh, if you want to do that, you can, at Jimmy Smith SEN. Too much gym, not enough pondering. <laughs> there was a couple of gratuitous gym shots over there. A big shout-out to the crew at Anytime Fitness at Camarillo in California. Uh, Ed Womble said, no need to change the format at all. It's five days for a reason. And let's move this conversation on to something else, like why isn't the ODI games on this weekend on free-to-air TV? Well, that's a Cricket Australia question on that one, but five days five days for a reason. Okay, Ed Womble, what reason? That's the point. The point I'm making is what do we miss out on? What are we depriving ourselves of by not having day five? You tell me. Uh, and two buck chucks chipped in. He must be on the bus on the way home, is he? Uh, Jimmy's had one too many cocktails on holiday. <laughs> is that right? Ooh. A little jealous, are you, Chuck? <laughs> Not sitting there having cocktails. i tell you what, I think Brooksy had a lot of cocktails on holiday. But any pondering that you've done, let us know. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 Let's go to the open line now. Stevie's there from Brisbane. Oh, Stevie. How are you, mate? Hey, Jimmy. I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. What have you been at? Did you, did you get away? Did you get a chance to reflect? Any pondering from you in the break? 
The only, the only pondering I did over Christmas, Jimmy, was saving up money for my trip away in three weeks and two days' time. Oh, wow. So you're going to Vegas for round zero, aren't you? Or round one, the start of round one. Yeah, I'm going to LA, then Vegas, then Washington, yeah. Okay, sounds awful. But anyway, someone's got to do it, yeah, Stevie. It's terrible. Now, yeah. test match. Mate, I was going to say about yeah, the test match. Jimmy, you know, like, this is what Australian cricket gets for putting what has always been traditionally the first test of the summer at the Gabba. They move it to the last. They get beaten. They get beaten fair and square. But at the end of the day, if they didn't touch it, it might have been a different story. But I still got to commend that young bloke First test, what did he take, 12 wickets for the test or something? He's got 13 test wickets in his test career, and he's taken them every 20 balls. Second test. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. What a, what a find for the West Indies, and you can only hope that that helps promote them back up to a standard that the country you've got to feel like we did in the 80s. Yeah, and it won't. Um, Stevie, as much as we'd love it to, it won't. Like, that's that's just gone. Think about this. I was thinking about it, and, and the reason I was thinking about it was I was explaining to people over in the USA, they're saying, who, who are you playing in the Test cricket? I said, oh, the West Indies. And like, who are they? And so it allows you to go and reflect. You know, these are countries out of North, uh, South America. Like, we've got islands in the Caribbean, countries out of South, um, out of South America, all make up this entity being the West Indies. How does that, how does that work? Uh, it has in the past when they were winning, and that, that all makes a heap of sense. But um, it's a little sugar hit for Test cricket, and it's Shamar Joseph is a great story. But the trajectory of Test match cricket in the West Indies is not going to be changed by that one result. I don't believe. But anyway, good on you, Stevie. Uh, and, and that's right. Australia's near unbeatable when they play that first Test match at the Gabba. I've got a fantastic record up there, uh, and that was the first day-nighter up there. It did well to get to four days. I thought of, the way it was shaping with the West Indies at five for 67, it was going to be over in two days. But it was a four-day test match that was quite superb. Let's go to Chris. He's on the line at Rose Bay. G'day, Chris. G'day, Jim. Um, just a couple of observations. I was looking at Sabalenka, and I know she only played eight hours, but she lost under 30 games in the whole tournament. She was losing, you know, four games per round. Um, so, I mean, she just monstered everybody. You yeah. know, sometimes, because of the serve in women's tennis, sometimes they go for a long time. I mean, five sets, oh, my God, sometimes that could take forever because they don't have the killer punch, a lot of them. And their serve isn't obviously as effective as the men, so it drags it out. But she just monstered everybody. She was just a beast. Yeah. But I do want to talk about the cricket. Now, I understand exactly what you're saying. But conversely, you've got Jared Waitley saying during the Melbourne test that people aren't going to the cricket at 10.30 in the morning. He actually went through the figures and... You know, the MCC at 10.30 had like 11,000 people and it built up to 60,000 by 1 o'clock. And he's actually calling for cricket to start later. So if you want to start at 10 o'clock, I don't know what it would be like in Sydney with the crowd if we started at 10. But he's just saying that people in this country don't seem to want to go to the cricket before a certain hour. Okay, so that's a separate issue. And, and look, I don't know all Jared's friends in Turak and what they've got on in the morning, the, the test match and all of that sort of thing, right? But, Chris, the point I'm making is make it eight hours a day. I don't care if you start at midday and go through to 8 p.m. What, what I'm saying is that there should be 
just four days of test cricket. And during the course of those eight hours, you get an hour break and you have to bowl 105 overs. And if you're not on target when it gets to that final break, the tea break, then that eats into your tea break. That, that's the point I'm making. Think about So here's the other thing to consider. How well or how much improvement did we see from Pakistan through Test 1, 2 and 3? How much improvement did we see from the West Indies through Test 1 and 2? You know what the biggest issue for touring sides is? Getting game time. So you can, yeah, but, sh- you can schedule an extra warm-up match because you know you've only got a four-day Test match coming up. That would lead to better cricket. Yeah, but Jim, at the same time, we spent two months for that World Cup that lasted almost two months, the World Cup we've just had, right? Yep. That's every country. And that's taken two months out of the calendar for the whole year. Um, And it just went on and on. And surely two months is too long for a World Cup. But that two months is only uh, once every four years. Uh, Yeah, I don't know with the uh, 20 over one how long that would take either. But... um, yeah, I mean, that, was, that, that just seemed a long time to me. Maybe there's other things they can do to look at as well to try and free up the calendar. I agree with you. They should be here earlier getting match practice. It just doesn't seem to happen. No, and it, and it doesn't... Sorry, Chris, got to keep going. But it, it didn't happen over in the UK, remember, that Australia would go into the Ashes series over there. Have a look at how much warm-up matches Australia had for the 2005 Ashes. That played its part as well. They changed the schedule after that, saying, no, you've got to give us more first-class games just to acclimatise. We keep hearing about touring teams come here, oh, yeah, the bounce. And not only the bounce here, but the bounce at the, the Optus Stadium is different to the bounce at the Adelaide Oval, which is different to the bounce at the SCG. So you've got to give teams a chance to acclimatise more. doesn't mean there's gaps in your schedule because you still play your BBL or whatever it is that you can fill the screens with cricket that people want to talk about and, and want to watch. It's just that in the background, your touring side is playing some more first-class cricket and therefore, when they get into the test matches, they're better prepared. Maybe we need England and India to be less well prepared. That that might help us a little bit when they come out here in tour. Okay, good on you, Chris. Thanks for that. Let's go to uh, – we got John from Harrington Park. He wants to have a, a chat. Uh, send him over, Brooksy. Let me let me go to that. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Hello, Johnny. Oh, Johnny, you got me? Hello. Yeah, go for it, buddy. What do you got? G'day, Jimmy. How are you going? Welcome back, mate. Thank you, sir. Buddy, um, yeah, the the rumour, David Letterman and Billy Crystal were going to buy South. Yes. Yeah, I've heard on good authority that um, Harvey Weinstein wants to buy into the tricolours, but then he found out they would call the, the roosters, not the rooters. Okay, all right. So that so that's you've spent two minutes on the phone explaining that to Brooksy about here. Hey, I want to ring up about this, and and that's what you've come up with. So, all right. Look, John. Over the course of the years, you've had some strong contributions to this program and others on this network. I don't think that was don't think that was one of them. But uh, thank you for that. Uh, we are into the fourth quarter at Levi's Stadium. Turn down the wireless or the crystal set if you don't want to know the score. Uh, 11 and a half minutes remaining in that fourth quarter. 24 all. A thriller. A thriller at Levi's Stadium. And Brock Purdy has just been sacked as he tried to make his way out of the pocket. Hey, Jim, read the girls playing best of three sets as opposed to the blokes playing best of five sets in tennis majors. I think I heard Brett Phillips on while you're away explaining that the girls want to play the best of five. 
But tournament organisers of majors say the tournament wouldn't fit into the two-week schedule with the possibility of additional five-set matches. Agree with your take on the four-day test matches. Good to hear you back on the radio. Good on you, Daz. Good to be back. Thank you for your contribution. If that's the case, that's ridiculous. Find a solution. Like, that's one of the things. That's like with a factory, right? You want it going 24 hours a day. If you've got these courts on and you go, hey, guess what? You have to play, but you have to play at 8 a.m. You go, all right, we'll play at 8 a.m. But give me the five-setter. I think that's what, what we all want. Thank you, Darren. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. The text line zero four five seven seven three six seven three six. We're going to get ourselves to a break. After that, more NFL. So we've got a field goal attempt here from the San Francisco 49ers. Why don't we stay with that? It's a 33-yard attempt. Uh, should be pretty straightforward here, and the crowd like it. So San Francisco take the lead for the first time in the match, 27-24. We're going to speak with former NFL punter Aaron Sipos after the break. Stick around. All right, we've got a first down for Detroit. So this is getting... Very interesting. Lots of interest on the text line as well. 0457 736 736. The crowd at the SCG at 10am will be about the same as the peak Brisbane crowd yesterday. Four days make sense, says Kev. Good on you, Kev. Uh, lighten up, Jimmy. Stop being this ridiculous woke bloke, says Pat. Rack off, Pat. It's not Pat Cummins, is it? No. So there you go. Uh, and then crime scene. Say, G'day, crime scene. John's call made me smile. So much of what I think sounds funny in my mind or written down loses its humour. When said out loud, kudos for trying though, John. So basically you're with me, crime scene. Yeah, uh, not really funny at all. Not funny either is the conference championship game going on at the moment. Uh, gripping would be another way to describe it. You described the Super Bowl of last year the same way. My next guest, Aaron Sipos, was playing in that match. And right now, I reckon we've got him down at the Sporting Globe at King Street Wharf. G'day, Aaron. You there? How are you guys? Hey, really well. Where You are yeah, at the Sporting Globe? I've actually, I've actually just hit the road, but um, I've been down there for a very exciting for most part of the game, and they're certainly up and about, that's for sure. Okay. Can you find a winner for us? They're up by three here, the San Francisco 49ers. They're the number one seed. They're playing at home. Everyone's anticipating them to go through to the Super Bowl, and they're under siege from the Detroit Lions, who you used to play with. Yes, that's right, but uh, they've found their way back after a, a tough uh, first half and, and all of a sudden they've, they've hit the front. So um, they look pretty good right now. They've, they've been the best team in the NFC all year, so uh, I think they'll finish it off. OK. Um, the other game, of course, earlier today, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs and Taylor Swift, we better make mention of her as well, have made it through to, a, to another Super Bowl. You've been there... Uh, during the Super Bowl last year, up close against this Kansas City side. What makes them so good, Aaron? Oh, they just find ways to win, don't they? When they, when they don't seem like they've got it all covered, um, pretty good coaching staff and the players to go with it, they just find a way to win games. And they've found a rhythm again, and um, they look hard to beat. And uh, a bit different probably from years gone past is that their defence is there standing up when they need it to as well. And... How much of that rhythm that you talked about is Patrick Mahomes? We, we look at his numbers coming out of today. 241 yards. There was a touchdown. Uh, a passer rating of 100.5. So, yeah, the numbers are okay. But in reality, he's so influential in the outcome of games, Aaron. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a great player. Um, he's a great 
Yeah, he just makes plays when he really needs to, doesn't he? It's, um, he's a great, you know, clock manager. He understands the game completely. He's got an offensive coach that's uh, very smart with it too, and they just make plays when they need to, you know. Defense, defense has been massive for him, but, you know, when Baltimore had him up, uh, you know, for a couple of third-down plays, you, you see Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey connecting, and, um, you know, they just release all the pressure, and they were just able to get it done today. If you cast your mind forward, let's let's make a prediction that we've got the 49ers going through to the Super Bowl up against the Kansas City Chiefs. So arguably the most talented roster in the NFL up against a team that knows how to get it done. Who wins that Super Bowl? Uh, that's a tough one. But I'll, I'll, I'm going to go with the 49ers. I think they've, they've been the better team all year and um, I think they just find ways to gain a little bit more pressure on Mahomes than what other teams have, and uh, they find a way to get it done, so that's my prediction. Yeah, OK. What about last year? Take us back to Super Bowl 57 uh, and your experience with that. Obviously, disappointment around the result of the game, but the overall day and, and indeed, the two-week build-up, Aaron, how, was that? how would you best describe that? Oh, just, just simply amazing. Just... Um, something that I, I could never imagined and, and the whole aspect to it leading into the week and, and on game day it was just simply incredible. You just felt uh, this difference and um, definitely have got, you know, still very fond memories, um, even though as you said, the, the result didn't go our way. Just being able to share that with family and friends that have flown over from Australia to, to come and watch it and enjoy the, the three or four days prior as well and um, yeah, something that I'll definitely never forget. And it's, um, yeah, just, just simply amazing. Uh, Jordan Maylata is a guy that, you know, is well known to our audience. He, he played lower grades for the South Sydney Rabbitohs and now he's an absolute superstar over there. What was it like having another Aussie in the locker room? Yeah, awesome. Just uh, having that familiar Australian accent always pretty handy as well, which is <laughs> great. So uh, he's a character. He's a funny man. And... Um, I do, I do miss him, and I'm glad things are going really well for him because I know it wasn't easy for him at the start adjusting to it all, but um, he has come a, a long, long way, and he's one of the best players in his position now in the NFL, so it's, um, it's great to see. The other big news after the disappointment for the Eagles a couple of weeks ago was the retirement of Jason Kelsey, who is a Hall of Fame centre in the making. Uh, he might have showed us his true colours when he was up there watching the Chiefs up against Buffalo, but... Um, what what does Jason Kelsey bring to a locker room, Aaron? Oh, well, you, you, you kind of saw the character that he had last week, and that's just literally him summed up. He's a, You can say he's a bit of the life of the party at, at times, and he's um, such an energetic guy, and, and he brings everybody together, and you need those type of people in your locker room, and um, he'll, he'll definitely be, be sorely missed because um, all that experience kind of goes out the window, and they... Has to start afresh, but it has to happen at some point. But um, just a great, just a great person. Just yeah. a really, is just a great person. Very humble guy, and um, I'm very fortunate enough to be able to, you know, spend a couple of years with him. Yeah, you're a free agent at the moment. What's next for you, mate? Oh, look, I'm I'm back here, obviously in Melbourne, and actually fortunate enough to get a role with the Hawthorne Football Club. So um, I'm in I'm in a development coaching role here now, and. Um, you know, that I'm really, I'm thoroughly enjoying that right now, and uh, I'm not too sure what happens going there from the from a football point of view, the NFL point of view. 
but just really enjoying, you know, coming back here, being with family and friends and having the opportunity to work with a, with a great club. Yeah. Hey, is there one thing that you looked at that they did over there? It might have been in preparation for a game. It might have been how the athletes are looked after that you thought, ah, that's something that I reckon would work well in the AFL. Oh, look, I think um, I think from what I've seen already, we're, we're in the AFL, we're already starting to do things that are, that are fairly similar, which is um, which is really good to see. I think from a you know player health wise and, and getting them to look after their bodies a little bit more, and that's been massive. You know, I don't know if that was fully the case uh, before I left, but certainly it seems to be. You know, definitely putting a price on. Um, looking after players, loads, and, and things like that. And they do a really good job over that in the NFL. Um, obviously, there's a lot of hitting involved and things like that. And um, certain practices, you can't put pads on and things like that. So maybe, um, you know, you can bring in more stuff like that in the AFL where, you know, there's not contact trainings or, or things like that just to make sure people are staying nice and healthy so they can get through the longevity of the season. Yeah. Well, you stay nice and healthy over the course of the next two weeks. You'll enjoy Super Bowl 58. Really appreciate your time this afternoon, Aaron. Great stuff. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. Aaron Sipos there. This time last year, he was punting for the Philadelphia Eagles, and in two weeks' time, he was doing it in the Super Bowl. Brock Purdy has taken off upfield and now he goes for the slide. He gets the first down. So uh, what is there? Four and a half minutes remaining on the clock. His mum and dad are celebrating in the stands as they always do. Remember, Brock was a 49ers fan as a youngster. That is that is a great one uh, run from the number 13. Uh, what an incredible story. A sixth round draft pick. Brock Purdy. So, Sporting Globe, best place to watch the Super Bowl. 50 screens, so make sure you book a table. Sportingglobe.com.au. I think there's a fair few of the SEN team heading down there in a couple of weeks' time. And remember, there's 20 venues around the country. So, wherever you are, there'll be a, whether it's Brisbane and uh, down there in Melbourne, wherever it is that you're listening, of course, here in Sydney, down at King Street Wharf, check out sportingglobe.com.au. One bloke who does really well at the Sporting Globe is a guy by the name of Stephen O'Keefe. He will be our special guest after the news. Thank you for that. Yeah, we've got 34-24 now. 34-24, they've scored another touchdown, have the San Francisco 49ers. So uh, well done to this team. They are through to the Super Bowl, you would think. Three minutes and two seconds remaining. Detroit Lions fans quite distraught in the stands there at Levi's Stadium. Welcome back to the afternoon's program. You're listening across 1170 AM, 693 AM up there in Queensland. We've got our poll up on the Twitter page at Jimmy Smith Show, at Jimmy Smith Show. Do you agree with four-day test cricket or should we stay at five? Currently, 41% saying yes to four days. What's wrong with you people? 59% 59% saying no. Keep it at five days. Just before we get to Steve O'Keefe, how did Kansas go up $15 at the start of the finals after Mahomes won a Super Bowl on one leg? That was worth a throw at the stumps in week one of the finals. Uh, Aaron ask 554. Now he's just doing it all the time. So not only says, says, us. Yes, uh, nice one. We do appreciate that. I'll tell you who we do appreciate. The bloke who... I thought it was going to have that grandstand finish. So you've got Ray Price, Mick Cronin at the SCG, and we thought it was going to be Stevie O'Keefe. It wasn't quite, but I'm happy to say he's on the line after some brilliant cricket during the course of his career. Hello, Socky. G'day, Jimmy. How are you, mate? 
Well, I'm well, Stephen, but dare I ask how you are right now? <laughs> Mate, I have been, since the end of the big bash, just, you know, straight into cricket. Yes. Uh, a bit of an emotional wreck, Jimmy. It was a beautiful night at the SCG, all but the perfect evening except for the result. Um, and then up to watch the West Indies in what, you know, I've been to a handful of tests live, easily the best test. I've ever seen live. An unbelievable finish. So fitting of that young, inexperienced, written off West Indies team to pull a rabbit out of a hat. Shamar Joseph, 768. It was just incredible. Okay, why? Why was it so good? Was it just the performance of that that West Indies team? Did you think? We played the grab a little bit earlier, mate. You might have caught up with him for a beer last night, but Mitch Marsh was talking about the night out in Brisbane on a Sunday night, and this was prior to the Mm. day's play on Sunday. You say that might have been the, the cause, was it? The oh, Sunday no. I'm, well, I'm just saying you can get a little distracted, right? You can get a little ahead of yourself and you go, hang on, we've got a test match to win in the meantime, Mitch. And they didn't quite get it done. Well, yeah, no, I look, I, I look at this team and I'm looking for reasons, not excuses. You know, were they eyeing off the finish line, Jimmy? Last test of a successful summer, you know, they've won a World Cup. Uh, they had the Waddle Trophy uh, in the bag already before the test. They'd, you know, knocked over Pakistan, albeit not convincingly. Um, But look, you know, was it just that for Australia or was it just this young team from the West Indies standing up? I look across the board. We're going to remember Shamar Joseph as the hero of the match with his 768, but I look back at the De Silva and Hodge partnership at 5 for 64. They knuckled down. I think between them, they faced more balls than the whole Australian team did in their first innings. You know, they went to work. Then you have a look at Alzari Joseph's efforts with the ball. I mean, I never got to watch the West Indies live in their heyday, but this guy, 6'4", 6'5", 145 Ks. And then the experience at the other end with Kemar Roach, who got three of the first four batters out in the first innings. Those two efforts saw the West Indies get their noses ahead in the first innings. And then... The almost unforgettable but forgotten man, Kevin Sinclair, yeah. on debut, 50. It's Nathan Lyon over mid-off for six. Not too many people can boast that in their whole test career. Knocks over Usman Khawaja, couple of catches, and I don't know, Jimmy, what about that celebration? I don't reckon I've seen that on a cricket field of you. I, I wanted to know why you didn't do backflips after getting wickets. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any particular reason? Uh, I, I was thinking more of the, the stop, drop and roll. <laughs> oh, get down um, low and go, 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 Socky. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, um, you know what, it was, you know, watching it live, even at the end, like Shamar Joseph, it yeah. looked like, you know, he just won the 100 metre dash. You know, he's just sprinting through the line like he was running through a tape, you know, straight over to the, right underneath where we were watching. It was right near the support team and the crew in the dugout, and they just came from everywhere. Yeah. Like, it's hard not to be caught up in the West Indies fanfare. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. And all, all of this happening at the other end was Steve Smith, not out 91, when everyone was saying, going into his fourth innings as an opener, saying, mm, uh, we've got some problems mm. here. And, and I know you're great mates with him, but what was your thoughts mm. on the performance of Smudge? Well, look... Jimmy, I reckon the Aussies went into the test, you know, trying to vindicate a couple of selections, yep. in particular Steve Smith and Cameron Green. So they had a few questions, the Aussies. As I said, it was a lean summer for the top six, you know, averaging mid-30s, 
got out of jail a couple of instances with some nice knocks from Mitch Marsh and Travis Head. I think we've answered the Steve Smith innings. I mean, on any any other given day, that 91, you know, is a match-winning 90. Yep. It's a man-of-the-match performance. Um, you know, they needed, what was it, eight to win. So he, he nearly gets 100 and brings Australia home, but that wasn't the script. So for mine... I think the big question at the moment this Australian cricket team has is the numbers three and four, in particular Marnus. Um, he got knocked over by Alzari Joseph with a rising steepling sort of bumper, yep. which you could forgive him for in the first innings, but it was the second innings. It was almost the identical dismissal, um, but it was against Greaves, was bowling 120 Ks. And, you know, I, I'm not sure what's quite off with Marnus at the moment, but... You know, it's been a, quite a, a significant lean lean patch. He has got some back-to-back 60s this summer, but, you know, you need your three and four to be bankers. And when you force Cameron Green, who you're trying to, you know, encourage to get into the system, you really need your three to stand up, step up and step forward. So, look, they go off to uh, New Zealand after this. They've got a good break. It's been a big summer. But, you know, over there, those wickets can get quite juicy, green and, yep. and seam around. So... You know, we're confident as Aussies, you know, 4-1 at home. You know, it's a great summer. Um, but I think, you know, this top six got a, a lot to do to to prove a point. But, um, you know, Steve Smith opening battle, I think we've just seen the start of what's going to be a pretty special end to his career opening the batting. It was a magical 91. Are, are we convinced on Mitch Marsh and Cam Green? I mean, Cam Green there at four. Like the, Marsh bowls two overs in the first inning. Green bowls seven. I'm looking at the, mm. the second innings. Marsh does not bowl. Cameron Green bowls 10. So I'm still looking at the balance of that and saying, hmm, is he in the top six yeah. batters in this country, Cameron Green? Yeah, yeah I, I, look, I think it's. I think it, that's where most people are looking and going, do we want two all-rounders? Personally, yes, I think that is the right six. Yep. I think Cameron Green is in the top six batters, but I would also say on the other side of the coin, he hasn't really played a lot of red ball cricket leading into when he first got picked. He was averaging 60 and, and bossing shield cricket, but that was sort of 12 to 18 months ago. Mm. Um, so it's, it's difficult to say. Then I look over the next group of batters that are coming through. You've got Will Pukowski, who I just don't think he can pick at the moment, you know, giving his history um, with, with head knocks. You know, I, I think he's such a super talented player and, and that, Without that situation, I think he would be in there. They've got Renshaw in the squad. And then it's who? You know, is it Nathan McSweeney? Um, you know, do they do a reshuffle? I don't think so now with Steve Smith doing so well at the top. So, look, I'm still confident it's the top six. I just think they've still got to sell it to us and, and still prove that it is. Yeah. Um, and Cameron Green, that partnership with him and Steve Smith, you know, they, they basically had Australia home. We're two for 113 yeah. from memory, a 71-run partnership out Shamar Joseph didn't come on until the 29th over. Now, this is a guy that had his foot blown off during that test the night before. It's bizarre as dismissals. Hit on the toe, given out LB, on referral, not out, but then retires hurt. You think he's not coming back. You know, it was the bizarrest thing of all time. Then interviewing him after the game, he said, look, I wasn't going to come to the ground. Then I got told to come to the ground and support my teammates. And then in the 29th over... He starts one of the most incredible spells by a foreign test bowler on these shorts to date. Um, you know, he gets hit for three boundaries in his first 10 balls. Um, and on a wicket where no one could hit the stumps, you know, there weren't too many bowls. He was able to pick up three. Cameron Green off his back elbow and then a searing orchid ahead. Three diamond, three golden ducks 
in a row. And um, the one that knocked over Alex Carey, then Josh Hazelwood. It was just, it was just fantastic. It was a, some great storylines going through the game. And I'm a big fan of this pink ball. Jimmy, and I know you're a fan of, of four-day tests. Well, you know, I, I can see a place for it, um, you know, uh, as well can you from what I hear. Well, how good is that, right? Hey, I'm, I'm in prime time. I'm in the eastern states of Australia. I've got four days of test matches. Of course I'm going to watch it. Like, that, that's compelling, isn't it? Uh, oh, look, I, I was just such a big fan. It's, it's, I think the large reason why I was such a big fan of the pink ball to start with was because it was so unpredictable. Yes. Every expert you go out in the middle and have a look at the wicket, they are flat, beautiful batting conditions. Well, you know, most batters struggled on it, and it actually did offer, you know, a lot for seamers. Nathan Lyon bowled well in the second innings. Um, there were permutations. How's it going to react under light? How did it react under under um, cloud cover? You know, you had some artificial light, then you'd have daylight coming in, and, and captains and players had to be on their toes thinking the whole time. And yeah. I, I'm happy to put my hand up and say I got it wrong most of the time. You know, I thought Australia were just going to come out, pile on the runs, answer the questions that had been thrown at them, but completely wrong, just completely fascinated by the game. It's over in three and a half days, Yeah, but you're exhausted at the end of it because it was such a great contest. Yeah, compelling, compelling. Uh, as you are, Socky, and I know we're going to hear a lot more of, from you on, on SEN, which we do look forward to, but, mate, great to chat today. Really appreciate your time, mate. Good on you, Jimmy. Brooksy, thanks, boys. I'll see you soon. <laughs> there, he is. there he is, the great Stephen O'Keefe. Got a standing ovation, thank you very much, at the SCG in his final match there for the Sydney Sixers. All right, let's get ourselves to a break. We've got a beauty. We've got a beauty. We've got 56 seconds remaining in Santa Clara. 34-31. It's the 49ers over Detroit. Let's break and back with more. All right, we are back. <laughs> there are seconds remaining, 47 of them. In fact, third and six for the San Francisco 49ers. So if you are recording it at home, sorry, if you are taping it, uh, we've just given it away. 34-31. 34-31. Uh, and Brock Purdy and the 49ers. Uh, what, I tell you what, we are the home of the NFL here. Why don't we take you over to Santa Clara? Down to the 40. And you see there is, what, maybe a second yeah, difference? They've, they've got to snap it, but it's not going to matter. They, they'll just take a snap. One second, two the runoff. There's one second differential, and the game's going to end. That's why they handed it off three times. If not, they've been forced to punt. So the clock winds down. That commentary there, courtesy of Fox, Kevin Burkhart, and Greg Olsen. Uh, there's Nick Bosa. He's celebrating with some teammates. They are going to the Super Bowl. Actually, why don't we go back to it? Here we go. Mr. Irrelevant is going to play in the Super Bowl. That is incredible. Yes, five-yard penalty. So fourth down. Just got to snap it and get down, and it'll be over. 17-point comeback complete. Nana's come out of their huddle. And there it is! The 49ers are going to the Super Bowl! We 
where they will take on the defending champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid getting it done against the Baltimore Ravens earlier today. You will hear that match on SEN. Jared Waitley and Ben Graham covering all the action for that. But what about that? The greatest quarterback easily in the league, some would say in history. I know Tom Brady was in the country last night up against Mr. Irrelevant. So there's your one of your storylines that will be running through in the two-week lead-up to the Super Bowl. Well done to the San Francisco 49ers. I don't know whether you, I'm telling you, you go to the USA and you are wall-to-wall NFL, and that is in LA, where they're not the biggest football town in the country. I can only imagine what it would have been like right now over in Detroit. Obviously, they are devastated with the outcome, but football is not quite all that they have. They've got snow. But other than that, they've got Ford and they've got football. Brooksy? Yeah, it's interesting. You've got the Niners who had that awesome run in the 80s, four Super Bowls, and then one in 94. So it was Montana, two, Steve Young, two? I think it was three and two, Jimmy. Three and two, was yeah. it? Yeah, and then okay. you've, got, you've got the Chiefs who won in 19, won in 22. So they're going back again this year to go back to back. So they're halfway through a Niners-like dynasty, but Reed, Mahomes, Kelsey, cracking game earlier today. Kelsey passed Niners receiver Jerry Rice wow. for most receptions in the playoffs. So there's a few storylines there. We're going to Vegas. So are we. <laughs> yes, so exactly. it's, it's going to be good in two weeks' time. So I just we were looking at it too. Um, so Usher at halftime, but Reba McIntyre is to do the national anthem. What if she did it with... Taylor Swift, like, come on. That would melt TV. That would melt the internet. Don't you don't that's crashing oh, the internet. It's, yeah, it's melting. Things are melting. But <laughs> unfortunately, she's gonna be wrapping up Taylor this is a tour uh, in Tokyo. Right. Hang Friday on, the hang 9th on, of hang Feb. On, hang on. I know you're Taylor Swift, right? Can't you say, you know what, that date, those couple of dates I had in Tokyo, I'm gonna push them back. Can't you do that? I don't imagine imagine the furor in yeah. Japan. Hey, Fletch doesn't work Fridays. Fletch is and Taylor Swift. <laughs> but he doesn't care who he upsets. Hey, Fletch, can we lock you in for a week? Yeah. No, I'm Fletch. I work when I want. So he's not coming in today. So what's he doing? Coming in tomorrow. tomorrow. Mate, if Fletch can do it, Taylor Swift can do it. She I can. Think. She could do it. Singapore March 3 is her next gig after 9th of Feb. It's 11th of February in the US. She can do it. She's got a private jet. Taylor Swift should pull a Brian Fletcher. That's all I'm saying. G'day, Shagger. Are you the president of the Steve Smith fan club? There are still major questions on his opening for innings and only one score. You're all Steve Smith mates. <laughs> I'm not his mate. I just think he can open the batting for Australia, Reptile, which he showed convincingly yesterday. All right, let's break, and then we're back to wrap up this hour. Oh, wow. Brooksy and I here just catching our breath after that finish to that game. Detroit fans are devastated uh, over there in Michigan for lots of reasons, obviously, we've talked about. But that is heartbreaking. They've got a really serious football side that they can support over there, which is uh, very exciting from their point of view. Hey, we've got to get ourselves to a break. Call now if you want to be a part of the 2 o'clock flock. Love to hear from you. Been away. What have you been up to? one 300 01-11-70. You'd have done a Kevin Sinclair-style backflip, Jimmy, when you dismissed Sock in third grade. That's Willow from Windsor. I think it was fourth grade. Uh, Willow, I think it was fourth grade out there at Hawkesbury one day. And I think 
I think Sock was 14. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Give us a call on that open line. We're doing it all thanks to sbsfence.com.au. And you can have your say. Four-day test matches, you're in or out. I'm in. I'm in, baby. Zero four five seven seven three six seven three six. Brock Purdy, third youngest quarterback to start in a Super Bowl. There's a stat for you. <laughs> yes, welcome back. Third and final hour on this Monday, the 29th of January. First day back at work for me after taking a bit of a break. So being able to ponder, uh, get some perspective on things. I've had my say on the four-day test match. If you want to check that out, go to the podcast. Jimmy Smith Show, afternoons on SEN, wherever it is that you get your podcast. Some incredible sport over the last 48 hours. Some incredible sport in the time that I was away, actually. There was some great cricket played against Pakistan. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed that. And then, of course, disappointment for the Sydney Sixers. What happened to the Sixers in that one? They won it convincingly, didn't they, uh, the Brisbane Heat? But anyway, afternoon, Jimmy. Welcome back. And on this talk about reflection, I have realised you're more likeable than I first thought. LOL. Only joking. Mate, it's good to hear you back where you belong. Junior Smithy, I tell you what, Junior Smithy, don't ponder too much because lots of people would disagree with that one. So there you go. We're doing it all thanks to SBS Fence. Remember, portable toilet and fence hire in Sydney. Check it out at sbsfence.com.au. Zachy Bailey coming up very shortly. Some big news happening in rugby league. And today's almost that, isn't it? So today's almost, wow, what a great cricket season we had. Australia couldn't quite have the perfect summer. They were... Four from five, incredible win for the West Indies, incredible story uh, with uh, Shamar Joseph. But guess what? It's NRL season now. We've got trial games coming up in a couple of weeks, so we're looking forward to diving into that, and we'll do that with Zach Bailey. Uh, Now, Pearl had his say on Staffy. He was talking about the Dragons and the Warriors are good blokes, aren't they? The Warriors are good blokes because they're going to look after Ronald Volkman. Uh, Good blokes, Staffy. I like how the Warriors now look like the good guy, Ree Volkman. It's like buying a car that needs a new gearbox and then the bloke who's trying to sell you the lemon agreed to fix it first. He ain't no hero. Just doing what he should do. Mm. I think there's a there's a portion of blame that we need to associate, certainly with the Dragons, Pearl. Sorry to upset you, although I'm not really. And then the other part of it is too, is what is his manager doing? Mario Tartak. Like, wow. Surely you don't say, see you later to one option before making sure the second option is locked in. That 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 would be, I think, management 101. When in the US did you mention to NFL people how easy it would be to get the 10 yards if they passed it through the hands rather than throwing downfield? I didn't, Matt, from Hunters Hill. I, I didn't mention that to them, but maybe you can get over there and uh, you can do that. Uh, the other... Big question coming out of this afternoon on the back of speaking with Steve O'Keefe. Are we happy with three and four in the Australian batting line? Here's the other thing about this too, Brooksy, is that we go to ODIs coming up now and the test matches come at the end of this month against New Zealand and it's rugby league season and it's sort of forgotten. You know, that, that window of six weeks, eight weeks when the test matches are played here in Australia, that's when there's a real focus on what Australia need to be doing with their batting lineup outside. And unless it's an Ashes series or unless it's India in India, it sort of is forgotten. But I was surprised to hear Socky say, Green, yes. Labashane, hmm, not so sure on that one. Hey, Jimmy, don't know if you've been talking about this. I just tuned into your show. Awesome win from the Windies. Congratulations to them. But why didn't Steve Smith take all the strike 
rather than give Hazelwood the strike. Didn't make sense to me. That's from Darren at Strathfield. Yeah, a lot of people suggesting that. I think there's a there's a sense of everything. Steve War. Remember Steve War used to do. Oh, I'm putting faith in my tailenders. I'm putting faith in my. You know, they'll get the job done. They can they can defend. So I think there's been a bit of that theory along for for a long portion of time. And maybe you think about it again. Shamar Joseph bowling quick at Josh Hazelwood. You might have done it a little differently, but uh, it's it's hard to be too critical around that. Just before we get to Zachy Bailey, let's start to get to a little bit of a rugby league fever associated with it. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 and the text line 0457-736-736. G'day, Jimmy. Welcome back for the new year. I just want to bring your attention to a video series called The Manly Way. It's the story of the Seagulls preseason and they're welcoming to the new recruits. It's out weekly on YouTube. The episodes are about five to ten minutes long and give a great insight into what Anthony Seabold is doing, bringing back all the old boys to help and bringing back the manly culture that has slipped a little over the years. It's a very informative video for all manly fans. Pretty sure it's episode six this week. Cheers, Rowdy Eagle Rod. I tell you what, that has been alerted to me, uh, or I've been alerted to it by Andrew from Manly Weather, who constantly gives me updates on that one. But thank you for doing that. And now you can share it with any Manly Seagulls fan, or indeed anyone interested in a behind-the-scenes look at a rugby league club from Rowdy Roddy Eagle. All right, uh, up next, Zach Bailey. I am sure he has been busy over the course of summer. It's great to have Zachy Bailey, who is Channel 9's number one rugby league reporter, back with us for 2024. Hello, Zachy. G'day, Jimmy. Nothing's changed, has it, in season 2024. You're always talking a little bit of rubbish when it comes to Zach Bailey. Uh, Danny Wildler says hello to <laughs> Well, I might be the number one uh, rugby league reporter right now because uh, the likes of Danica Mason and Emma Lawrence are down at the, or have been down at yeah, Melbourne Park at the Oz Open. And uh, Danny Widler is enjoying the uh, summer of Widler, as we call it. Okay. So, in, a, in a case of Stephen Bradby-esque uh, in the journalism ranks here at uh, Nine News, I might have to take that tag while I can. Uh, isn't that funny? Because when you started talking like that, I'm like, he's Stephen Bradbury. He's Stephen Bradbury. Um, all right, mate, what have I missed? Well, let's start with Ronald Volkman. We're, so we're talking about all the people who want to apportion blame left, right or centre. What do you think is the biggest issue to come out of Ronald Volkman? And, and what is the latest with Ronald and what he's, what he's going to be doing post the recovery from injury? Well, it's a good question. I, I To be fair, I, I've been um, – I was just speaking to – uh, your producer Nathan Brooks, and just talking about it's, it's, it's a really weird time because it's it's been all essentially like all eyes on the tennis and the cricket and, uh, across the summer. Of course, there are league yarns that always pop up, but I feel like today is the day, or as of, essentially as of tomorrow, it's it's almost like we're really like turning our attention to the NRL and, and the season ahead. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a weird old time. But as as for that situation, firstly, um, I, I don't know what he, what he's going to be doing post the shoulder surgery. Um, if, if there's any clubs out there um, that want to give him a go, that, that, that'd that be great. I don't know who will be, you know, coming quickly uh, for his services, given he's going to be sidelined for, you know, essentially all of 2024 after having shoulder surgery. Yeah. Um, but, Jimmy, one thing we do know is that, like, the clubs these days, if there's one position they need depth in, it's in the halves. Yep. And if you look at the Dragons, for example, the club that... 
he looked like he was going to be with in 2024. It's left them super skinny in the halves. They've essentially only got Ben Hunt, Kyle Flanagan, and then with Talatau Amone, given, you know, he's been deregistered, and now Ronald Volkman has, um, his contract wasn't registered either, or the club didn't register it from their terms after they found this shoulder injury. Um, there's, a, there's always a need for a good backup half out there and I know he doesn't want to be the backup half, but if you're coming off shoulder surgery and you haven't cemented yourself as the chief number seven in any team, that's where he'll have to have to go. Uh, so it's, it is a bizarre situation um, in terms of what we learn. Well, I guess moving forward, the Dragons will learn that uh, don't have him training or don't have a player training with your team um, before the you know you've done all your medicals and you've got a proper good look at him. Um, and but you know in terms of the contract being submitted and registered. Through yeah. the NRL, um, I feel I feel really sorry for him because I feel like you know Volkman's the innocent bystander in this, and it all re- revolves around him because of course he doesn't do the contract; it, it comes down to the club management and his manager, um, and he's a, you know he's almost the big loser out of all this. So yeah, it's a sad state of affairs, but in in the goodwill and you know hats off to the Warriors; um, they're paying for his surgery, and hopefully they can you know foot a fair bit of the bill towards his recovery and rehab because as I said it's not just a hey you know go under the knife for you know a broken toe or you know broken finger it's it's a long rehab and we're talking about a player's career that as yeah. you know that you know they're not long they're not long you've only got a short time to, to make your mark and uh, make an impact in this game and, and get the joy and the love out of it so I wish him all the best, and I don't know where I don't know where it's going to fall for him moving forward. But I hope to see him in the NRL in the future. Okay, so if there's two sides that have struggled uh, over recent years and and been in the news often for all the wrong reasons, it's the the Dragons, which we've just touched on, and the Tigers, and it's a very different effect that's happening over there at the Tigers with Benji Marshall. So Luai signs, but that's not until next year. Olam comes now, but Nofaluma is not there, which is a strong stance from from Benji Marshall. How have you or what have you made of? now that Benji has had control for the last three or four months and the decisions that are happening and and added to that, the change in management over there at the West Tigers as well? Well, right now, Jimmy, as you know, there hasn't been a, you know, a ball kicked off or no passes thrown or no tries scored and it's all looking positive for the West Tigers. Um, Benji Marshall, I mean, he, he's one of the greats of the game. He's one of the most likeable characters in the game. But the one thing, you, I guess not only for the media and fans out there, but it's the influence that he can have on attracting players to the West Tigers. And we've already seen that with Jerome Luai, who idolised Benji Marshall, yeah. uh, with Justin Ollum, out of favour with the Storm. But we, we know what Justin Ollum can be at the best. He can be the best centre in the game. Hopefully, for West Tigers fans, he can rediscover that form in 2024. But, the, oh, and even as you mentioned, the David Norfoluma situation, the one thing that Benji must have done since he has fully taken reins of that club, is is said, this is my club. You know, this is my team now. And he's shown great leadership. You speak to people around the club there now uh, who are big believers in Benji. And there's a, there seems to be a different feel there. Um, again, they haven't lost a footy game yet. So, you know, the pressure will mount if they start losing games early in the year. Um, but Benji just has this aura about him and he has an influence about him. Um, that will not only attract players, but I think the players will really feed off. The big question that I have from just an observation point of view 
having been at trainings, especially last year when Tim Sheens was the coach, but Benji Marshall was, you know, pretty hands-on at training, is it? And I, I think I've said a, a couple of times on this program, you're down there at training and Benji will be in the plays a lot. Like, he, uh, he's, uh, I've never seen an assistant coach or a now-to-be head coach as heavily involved in running plays yeah. at a training session. Now, back in the day, it may, it may have happened a fair bit more. Like, I don't know, in your playing days, potentially. But given there's so much staff these days, you, you go to some sessions and the head coach, you know, might stand, stand under the goalposts, watch most of it from afar as his assistants do everything. And then he'll, he'll move in, say something and move out. But very rarely do they get their hands on the actual footy. So that that's that transition now for Benji being the assistant that's running plays. And to be fair, he was probably running the plays better than any half that they had there, mm. you know, when he was running as the opposed. That that's a big transition for him now. And and the other thing is, Benji was so good at being a ball player. I almost looked like it was, he would have found it frustrating that at training he was doing all these things and it looked great, and then it was getting out in the field and the West Tigers weren't showing the signs that they might have seen at training. So positive signs, um, but that transition from being that hands-on assistant to hang on a minute overseeing as a, as a head coach is an interesting one moving forward. Tucker Coleman used to get in the training sessions occasionally, but he was only re- reasonably recently retired. He used to do a bit of ball work. Gus Gould used to run a few ball play because he was a great ball playing back rower. Uh, Tom Radonikas, mm. not so much. So <laughs> during the course of uh, Tommy used to stand under the under the goalpost with a he bunger. Sh- he showed leadership in other ways, maybe like post-match. <laughs> uh, many other ways, but um, what an all-time great. Now, speaking of, the Panthers are all-time greats. They've won three on the trot, but they've got to go across to a World Club Challenge. And history says it is very difficult to come back from that and win a premiership. What other impediments or, or, or do you see that as the major impediment for them for season 2024? Well, it is an interesting one because they, they haven't, it's crazy to think that in the success of recent years, they haven't had the opportunity to go over to the UK and, and try and win a World Club Challenge. Yeah. They were in rare, the rare scenario last year when they hosted it at home um, and they lost. So I, I guess this year moving forward, like the, the clubs say that they really want to win this. And I guess, um, of course, you're not going to go all the way to the UK and, and not want to win it. Uh, the, the one thing I will say about their ability to overcome the travel over there is that when, when the comp restarted uh, in COVID, when we came back on May 28, yep. no club came back in better shape of a shorter pre-season than the Penrith Panthers. Right now, they were under the, I guess the the um, strength and conditioning coach then of Hayden Knowles, who is now involved with the Blues and has since moved on. Uh, they also, when you think about it, they had more players involved with the World Cup last year, sorry, two years ago, and came back and still won a premiership. Yep. Uh, in 2023. So in terms of history, history shows that the, the Panthers overcome whether it's a dis- disrupted or shortened pre-season, I guess, than any other team to go on and then have success. Not only is that, that there, but they've lost, obviously, the likes of Stephen Crichton, who's, who's, a, who's a gun player, Hosking, who, you know, was in and out of the, the first great squad this year, but has also, um, you know, sh- showed his worth as a, as a good back rower. The, the whole Jerome Luai narrative, um, 
it, you know, if, if they do have any down patches this year, it might be an easy thing to go to. But yep. the whole relationship between him and Ivan, and they just they've got to have success to stay on top of that. Yeah, simple well, as that. Well, so, yeah. yeah. Well, the interesting thing around their senior players. So I'm thinking about that. Well, Isaiah Yo is one of the most dedicated players in the game. Nathan Cleary is obsessive about his preparation. Mm. And we know that from multiple teams. And James Fisher-Harris strikes me as a guy who, you know, leaves no stone unturned. So when when you start talking about the senior players and the way they go about things, it's a very good point that you make, Zachy. Quickly, mate, TPJ, is this what, <laughs> back at the Broncos? I don't think the Bulldogs are too concerned about it. What's your take on it? No, it's it's just fascinating that a guy at 27 in August last year said, look, I'm, I'm leaving rugby league. It was actually a chat with Danny Wyther when he said when he was young, he didn't actually feel like... He loved rugby league. He only played it because his parents pushed him into it. And he was looking forward to getting away from this sport to go and pursue boxing. And then there's now talk that he could be back, you know, nine months later playing in the NRL again. It's, it's fascinating. Um, it's very rugby league because these stories yeah. always pop up. I look forward to seeing how it plays out. Um, and hopefully, uh, if he does come back in the game, we see the best of Tavita because, as you know, He's had rocks and diamonds in the past. Yes. It'd be great to see Tavita back at his best. Yeah. Well, I was going to quit radio and take up boxing, but I was deterred by the fact that a number of people who wanted to fight me, so I ended up staying here. So uh, it's amazing. I'm not on that list. Don't worry. <laughs> Good stuff, Zachy. Great to have you on the program again for 2024. Really appreciate it, mate. You have a great day. Great to chat, Jimmy. Zach Bailey there from Channel 9. Uh, all right, let's get ourselves to a break. We're running a little bit late. Call now, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 if you want to be a part of the program. The text line, 0457 736 736. Oh, it's long, this shift, isn't it? Three hours, Brooksy? I don't know. Is it just me? It might be just me, I think. Uh, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. G'day, Jimmy. A great delight was to nail their batsman onto the spot for the last three balls of the over. No single. Then my mate would clean up the tail ender. It's a team sport, says Redman. So there you go. That's a, that's after Steve Smith was criticised. Oh, hang on. You've got to protect. You've got to protect. Brooksy, you, were, were, they, were you being protected or were you the protector? No, I was, I was, I was a bit of both. Okay. Um, but I was just thinking about what you said about the long show, Jimmy, and your topic today. I wouldn't be surprised if you come in tomorrow wanting a two-hour show rather than a three-hour show. I don't know the broadcast here will still be the same, right? Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying. Big bash styles, right? Oh, yeah, Less absolutely. games, more excitement, Fireworks. more Jimmy. I'll come in with a pink shirt on tomorrow. <laughs> Oh, I'd suggest we're the good thinking, Brooksy. Uh, we're doing it all thanks to SBS Fence. Remember, portable toilet and fence hire in Sydney. You go and see Alex and the team at sbsfence.com.au. Mike is on the line up there in Brizzy. G'day, Mike. G'day, Jimmy. Yeah, look, for all that money you get, it has to be minimum three hours. All oh, right. <laughs> you're, you're, you're going the other way. They stretch me out to four. Jeez, I'll be asleep. No, no, no. I think I think I think they've got it right for the okay. mega dollars. Right, <laughs> sweet spot, sweet spot. Okay. TPJ. Ah, oh, yes. Broncos lost complete control of their senses. Um, October the sixth in the Australian. I want to be world champion of boxing. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, um, it's going to be another like. SBW disaster at the Roosters a few years ago when somehow that put Mish Jobberson, you know, on the reserve bench or on the sidelines. So 
Yep. Okay. Um, okay. Can I put it to you this way, Mike? There, and and this is one yep. way to 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 look at it too, and that is that it's not TPJ in the squad at seven hundred and fifty or eight hundred thousand dollars a year. It's TPJ into the squad, and Kevin Waters has said, "Hey, mate." We've got you in here to do a job, okay? And if he's not doing that job or is if he's creating division at training, if he's not being a guy that you should be following as opposed to being a destructive element, then you can say, hey, mate, we gave you a chance and you're disrespecting it. See you later. See you later. Yep. yep. Um, I just want to use my time. Uh, the cap- captaincy at my Cowboys. Yes. Um, I think think it's a good move. Two guys who normally play 80 minutes. I don't think uh, Jason will care one bit. I don't think he really wanted to be captain. Might see the better of him without it. Um, I think it's a battle between Hess and Finifuiaki. Um, as surprising as that sounds. And I think it's a race between Chester and Granville for the bench. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's it's amazing, Granville. Good on you, Mike. Thanks for the call. It's amazing that Granville is still getting it done. But Reuben Cotter and Tom Dearden announced as captains for the Cowboys for this year, co-captains, Jason Taumalolo and Chad Townsend had the job. So I can see your point on Taumalolo. Hey, mate, just go out there and play footy. And you're not on the field the whole time. Uh, and generally speaking, well, certainly Tommy Dearden will be, and Reuben Cotter can do that, do it at origin level. Chad Townsend's the interesting one. You know, Chad Townsend's manager came out yesterday or the day before and said, oh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're having talks and we'll probably extend that for next year. Chad and the family love it up there. And then there was also the talk that Chad was offered to Super League clubs over in the UK. So somewhere in between, uh, we find the truth. You're just wondering what the stocks are like for halves up there at the North Queensland Cowboys. Statsy from Freshwater says, welcome back, James. I thought you'd had too much US of A winter goodness when I heard you wanting to reduce test matches to four days. But... After explaining in detail, I like your thought process and it would work. The only thing I'll add is to keep a fifth day up your sleeve only for any play lost due to rain. Great to hear you again in the new theme song is a winner. Franz Ferdinand's Take Me Out is probably one of the top five songs of the 2000s. Wow, Statsy from Fresh. What a glowing endorsement from the, well, I was going to say listeners. (laughs) Listener. (laughs) Uh, And that's, of course... um, with apologies to Brian Fletcher, who earlier in the program was likened to Taylor Swift. Just on that, Reuben Cotter will be the special guest of Joel Kane and Brian Fletcher when they're back for the run home. That'll be from 3 o'clock tomorrow. All right, let's get to some news after that. More of your text messages. And Barney from The Drive Show, he's, he's almost invading the studio. Anyway, that's up next. All right, into the final half hour of the program, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. That is the open line number zero four five seven seven three six seven three six. So we might be taking you over to San Francisco very shortly. But in the meantime, Barney from such shows as the Run Home with Barney and and Robbie Slater is in the studio. What are you up to, Barn? Mate, uh, just. 
gearing up for a, uh, a fun. Well, this is the last gasp of summer for the run home. The boys, uh, Brian Fletcher, Joel uh, Kane, back tomorrow. Yes. So this is the last real loose loose day. We're right. just getting there. This wasn't planned because there was always the the thought of maybe a day five of the Test match, um, which yes. I know you and Brooksy are uh, are against. You, you guys are all four day Test. Now, is this your original thought? Well, it's certainly not my original thought, right? You know, people have talked about four-day test matches. I think Mark Tubby-Taylor has talked about four-day test matches previously. (laughs) Tubby's lost his mind. So, but I I just think, so when I stepped away and I talk, so there's so many things that go with it. And I'm like, we get wrapped up for five days. It's not the best use of resources. And and so so here's here's the question I ask you. the best use of resources. That's not the point. Here's here's the question I ask you when we start thinking, do we go from five to four? What are we depriving ourselves of by not having a fifth day? What what are we taking away? Potentially fifth days, uh, amazing uh, test matches that finish on a fifth day. You you don't want it. No doubt. But that was fourth day yesterday. And there were still three. Three results that were up of the four. So the draw was out of the equation, mm. right? But there was still tie, win, loss. What, what, do we, what do we gain by not getting ourselves the option of a fifth day? Okay, so better value for those people who turn up to the game, right? Well, you, so, fifth, day, fifth days, you rarely, like, unless it's a, like you're on for looking like you're on for a full fifth day. The fifth day is when they open the gates. That's yeah, well, when they should have the opened the gates yesterday. They should have no opened one the gates. There. They sh- definitely should have done that. I'm with you there. Okay. So it allows you to be more flexible with your schedule. And one of the things that I think is commonplace with so many touring sides to Australia, Australia, oh, really hard to get used to the wickets, right? They'll yep. have one warm-up game. And then you see by the end of the series, you saw it with Pakistan and you saw it with the West Indies. They start to play more competitive cricket. Give them an extra warm-up game. Yeah, I, I think the I think what you're seeing there though is just teams that don't play enough Test cricket. Like Australia play a lot, like, especially in the last twelve months, play a lot of Test cricket. True. England play a lot of Test cricket. India play a lot of Test cricket, and there's no coincidence that they're probably that they're the three powerhouses at the moment in Test cricket. But so I think the solution is more Test cricket. What I'm saying is like the mm-hmm. only people really screaming out for four day tests are people who work for broadcasters. And broadcasters. And mm-hmm. they, it's because they go, oh, we need scheduling. We need to know. No, they won't. The, the, Joe Punter does not care if it ends on day four or if there's an option of day five. Like, no one no one out there is going, no one going to work today is thinking, like, oh, gee, I'm glad I knew the cricket wasn't going to be on. But I reckon that's the that's exactly right. That's the whole point. Joe Punter doesn't care. I oh, know. So Neither does Jill Punter, so by the way. So why rob them of the option of a fifth day? But you're not robbing them. You you're are. giving them a fourth. Mate, if it was my if, – mate, if I had my way, untimed tests. We go back to oh. that. Let's just go as long as it takes. <laughs> Give me a result. I'm happy to go. I'm happy to go six, seven days. Seven. Remember that? The, the, the six-day – Timeless tests. Yeah. Yeah. 708 declared for four. Yeah, love it. <laughs> I love it. And that's on uncovered pitches too. Oh, yeah. Imagine and now. Have you seen the bowlers that used to bowl in there? Have a look at the, the vision of the bowlers that were bowling to Don Bradman. And I'm not saying Don Bradman's record's not a great no, record, right? No, it's amazing. The, the bowlers used to come up and just bowl. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> He's lollipopers. It did. It, it's probably, they weren't. They it's weren't, not Shamar Joseph, let me no, tell you that. they weren't Josh Hazel. <laughs> yeah, that's right. In, that's right. Pepper and a length. But it, I, I'm with you. But I, I think, you know, and this is my actual worry. 
is, uh, Jimmy, is I know that you've got Brooksy in with you today. Mm. And Brooksy has been pushing this four-day agenda. Oh, yes. Has for, he? Oh, he's been pushing a long time. Now, he, he does this when he produces. I don't know if you know this. He gets in, he gets in the, the uh, presenter's mind, makes ah. them think they're having an original thought. Joel and Fletch haven't had an original <laughs> thought in two years. It's That's going to upset Joel, you know. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, Brooksy will convince him that I'm lying, but deep down, Joel knows. Brooksy's in there. He's living rent-free in, yeah. his, in the host's head. So you've got to be careful. Funny you mention that because I'm really bullish about the Dragons for season 22. No, I'm not. <laughs> I thought oh, that was Brooksy. Brooksy trying all of a sudden that. you're talking Wollongong sports, are you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Bring back the Steelers. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What's happening? Now, Robbie Slater's just... <laughs> Mate, on everyone. Robbie is fight. He's coming in hot. This is what I love about. It. We did last Monday together. He came in hot. Then he was into the APL. Right. Um, today he's into all these uh, the naysayers on Twitter, who or X or whatever it is now, yes. who are basically saying not good enough from the Socceroos the win overnight. Um, Sorry, they won four nil. Yeah. Well, this is Robbie's point. Like, how can you be disappointed with a 4-0 win? So, Robbie's come in fired up. He's given it to people online, which means he's going to be uh, sharing his... He's, you know what I love about working with Robbie is you just say, Robbie, go. Yeah. And he goes. Yeah. He's not holding back. I've had a spat with Robbie on air over oh. the years. Yeah. El Colorado. You know, that's what they called him when they played that Argentina game. El yes. Colorado, the red one. The red one. Yeah. And yeah. the red mist. The red mist descends. And they fire up the redheads. Yeah. Oh, that's what I like about them. Go the redheads. Any yeah. redheads listening now? Text in. See where they fired yeah. up. Uh, all right, what's coming up on the program, mate? Mate, we're gonna uh, we're gonna chat about uh, we're, we're gonna chat that great result uh, in the cricket yesterday. Depending, well, the great result for Test cricket, I think. Yes. The West Indies are back. No one's upset with that. But Shamar Joseph, um, I don't know if you know. Little little's been made of it in the media so far, but he's from a small I, uh, he's from a small village. I thought he was a beach sprinter. Yeah, well, he <laughs> probably did Damien do a bit Cook. of beach sprinting back in his day. <laughs> but uh, so he's from a small village. But also Yannick Sinner, the yes. winner of uh, the Australian Open overnight, he is also from a small village. Right now, I spent a bit of time growing up in a small country town, and you know what? It got me thinking about all the great sports stars we have from small towns. So we're going to be asking listeners to chime in. Who's who's your you you've obviously you know got a great knowledge of sport. Is there one that's great sports star from a small country town or a small area that comes to mind? I grew up five kilometres outside of a village that had two hundred and seventy nine people in it. So, but my nomination is the aforementioned Don Bradman. Yes, born in Cootamundra. Population at the time would have been two and a half thousand. I was going to say Cootamundra is not that big even now. No. No, it's about six and a half thousand, mm. I think it is now. But oh, actually, there's a new abattoir going in. It's going to be oh, it's gonna... <laughs> minted. The town's minted. Yeah, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that'll jump. That'll jump. That'll jump. But yeah. back when Don was there, no abattoir. Yeah. So an abattoir makes a difference to a town too. Well, mate, they reckon that this is. Well, I know we're a little off topic now, but there's a thousand jobs. Yeah. And, and that, people like meat. That, it, people like meat. Not only that, people like being able to buy food. So you go where yeah. the jobs are. And exactly. you know, and that's, that's, people are going to go to Cootamundra, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's got a big bash franchise a couple of oh, years time. How good would that be? <laughs> what do you? What do you? The Cootamundra Bradmans. The Cootamundra Bradmans. Yep. Cootamundra oh, Wattle. Remember that? That was a great. Uh, was it, who was that? John that, Williamson. John Williamson song, wasn't Mate, it? The Cootamundra Wattle is all up and down the main street, Parker Street, Cootamundra. Yep. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. The Cootamundra Wattle, of course, playing in Wattle Yellow. Oh. 
I like it's, it. I like it. I, see, this is we've, we're solving problems. You know, see, what? yeah. When she, once you let Brooksy out, out of, the of my head for a bit, out of your head, out of my head, you're thinking clearly again, yeah, Jimmy. Yeah. I like it. Go the Steelers. Uh, <laughs> good on you, Barn. Enjoy that after three o'clock. All right, we better get ourselves. To, don't know where that went. Anyway, uh, coming up next, uh, interview with the new CEO of the Cootamundra Waddles. <laughs> All right, there you go. That, that's the new theme song. What are we? Are we getting uh, much positive comment yet? We're getting the thumbs up from Brooksy, but Brooksy's in my head and he's telling me to say, say that. So, as per Barney, a little bit earlier. Did Barney just say that this is the last loose day before Fletch and Joel come back? What the says the pearl? Yes, yeah, so there's a little bit of a, a what the. Uh, thank you for that, Arvo, and welcome back, Jimbo. This is from Hillstorm Hillary. Uh, I love the action of the new uh, legends like Big Willie, Horro, Birdie and Normie at the Nines on Friday and Saturday on Goldie on YouTube. It will be interesting to see if some of those young guns make it to the NRL. They could easily be out there already, says Hillstorm Hillary. Must admit, I didn't watch any of it. I heard, though, that uh, Big Scope was up there. So uh, I hope they had a great weekend. Speaking of the weekend, it's still the weekend over in the United States. And we've got a caller, Paul, who's on the line from Burlingame has given us a call after the 49ers <laughs> game. Oh, hello, Paul. G'day, Jimmy. Actually, mate, it's uh, Levi Stadium, mate. Still here. Still, uh, still soaking in the atmosphere after the uh, classic comeback win by the 49ers. Okay, so um, this is a great mate of mine, uh, a lifelong mate from St. Gregory's College and, and from Sydney University, Paul Limbry, who has been working in the San Francisco region for the last two decades and was fortunate enough to be at Levi's Stadium. So just incredible. Uh, what was the feeling in the stadium, mate, when, when the home team is down by 17? Mate, the air, the oxygen was sucked out of the place, mate, at half time. The, the 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 people I was with, there was a bunch of locals saying, "Look, if nothing turns around early in this third quarter, we're going home." And uh, holy smokes, didn't it turn around in the third quarter? Unbelievable. Okay, so where do we? Uh, I think Brock Purdy was given uh, MVP of that one. Uh, it's a great story now. They've got a a much vaunted lineup uh, roster. The 49ers, They've got a great young head coach, but. Now they've got to take on a team and a guy in Patrick Mahomes who know how to win. Um, how, how are you looking at that one? Mate, Mahomes is just something else, isn't he? Like, he sets, sets the standard for uh, athleticism in this uh, NFL game. The, uh, mate, this, this kid, Purdy, like, what a story, hey? Like, the last pick in the draft, comes in last year, you know. It's... Uh, it's injured in that game with Big Jordan, uh, Mylata playing the big Aussie there yeah. for the Philadelphia Eagles. But then comes back this year, gets the starting job. And mate, he's not like Patrick Mahomes, but he's a winner. He's, he's finding a way to win these games. Just incredible. So it's going to be a great story because you've got the most dominant quarterback of the last you know five or six years in Patrick Mahomes facing up against. Uh, now very relevant, Mr. Irrelevant. <laughs> yes, very nice. Hey, um, the other story for this game too was the Detroit Lions, who uh, the stat just came up on their coach, Dan Campbell. 12th straight road playoff loss for the Detroit Lions. And I'm like, that does not tell the story of what they've done in this postseason. No way, yeah. um, they were they were magnificent again today, albeit losers. Mate, it's, a very, uh, it's, very an, un, it's an unkind stat for the Lions because they were incredible. And their fans were like, off like a frog in a sock the, uh, during that first half, and Jared Goff, like 
mate, he's turned it around. They were they were chanting his name, and uh, that coach, you know, he just he just brings a lot of grit and uh, you know toughness to that Detroit team. So I'm sure there are none too happy right now in Michigan, but. I think they've done themselves pretty proud, mate, in this, uh, this postseason run. Yeah. Hey, what are you doing post-game, Paul? Where Where are you at right now? Mate, I'm, I'm standing outside the players' entrance right now at Levi Stadium because uh, the couple of peeps I with know some of the players, so we're waiting for the kids here to pick up some autographs from, uh, of course, the player of the day is Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. So all the, all the young lads here are just lined up here with their pens and a, and a footy jersey waiting to see if they can get a, a bit of ink on it from uh, CMC. Mate, how, th- that is universal, isn't it? Whether you're hanging over the fence at the oh, SCG mate. or at Leichhardt Oval or indeed at Concord Oval looking for an autograph, oh. uh, it's exactly the same. Uh, hey, Paul, great to, great to chat, mate. Thanks uh, thanks for the update. No worries, guys. Have a great one. And uh, go Sydney. <laughs> go Sydney. Uh, yeah, Paul Limbury. So, as I say, a lifelong mate of mine. Uh, <coughs> Google executive over there. <laughs> He's okay. If anyone was worried about Paul, he's okay. And uh, so his six siblings who are living here in Australia uh, and his mum and dad who are out, out our way at, at Camden uh, uh, would have been very happy to hear from him. Uh, welcome back, Jimmy. Despite the Sydney Sixers not getting the win last Wednesday night at the SCG, it was a really special moment to see the crowd rise as one for a standing ovation after Socky Steve O'Keefe bowled his final ball. I was sitting next to an older gentleman. Uh, so there we go, a 2 0 that bottom of that text message is just dropped out. So, um, yes, I was watching that. So we were back into the country uh, on Wednesday morning. And so uh, a bit bleary-eyed, I was watching the Sydney Sixers go down to the Brisbane Heat. But that was a special moment for anyone in, in everyone's career. So um, just incredible. Paramount says, Jimmy, if Statsy endorses something, that's good enough for me. I've missed most of the live show, but looking forward to the podcast. Good on you, Paramount. You're rock solid, mate. So uh, you enjoy that. Yes, wherever it is you get your podcast, make sure you download that. Uh, check it out. Afternoons on SEM, <laughs> Apple, Spotify, <laughs> Brooksy. You're the worst charades player I've ever seen. <laughs> anyway, um, welcome back, Jim. Did I tune in just in time to hear you call Harold Larwood a lollipop man? Oh, yes, actually. Um, nice to have you back. Footy must be close. Good on you, Spanky. Yes, that was going a little bit too far, wasn't it? Uh, hi, mate. Serena, with 5,600 people, uh, now has Kevin Campion, Dale Shearer, Martin Bella, and Wendell Saylor as their favourite sons. That's Mark from Red Bank. So that is a great nomination there, Mark, and keep them coming in. Uh, here's another one from Mike. Uh, Chad Townsend's manager meeting with the Cowboys to extend Chad Townsend's contract will be a quick meeting. No, thanks. Jake Clifford could be the cow's half now. Chad's fifth tackle strategy seems to be kick the ball just far enough that the teammates can't get there in time to get anywhere near the opposition fullback. Uh, All right, Mike. Thank you for that. All right. uh, We're going to get ourselves to our final break, and then we're wrapping things up to say hello to the run home team. All right. You're listening to Afternoons on SEN. All right, so that's it. That's it. The first show is done and does it well. There's about a minute and a half to go. So coming up after the 3 o'clock news, that's 2 o'clock up in Queensland. Barney and Robbie Slater for the run home. So make sure you're listening in for that one. I didn't know this, but Brooksy tells me we've got a Signet Boost power bank to give away. So a big thank you to the great people at Signet Boost uh, and the power bank that they have. Absolutely outstanding. So we're going to give it to Mike from Callumvale, who was ringing up about his cowboys and what he thought might be happening there. We talked a lot about four-day test matches. Damon, 
on Twitter. If you want to go and check this out, it'll be all across the Twitter sphere. So uh, at Jimmy Smith SEN, I understand why people would oppose this, but pragmatically, it may help to keep Test cricket alive. And that's another part of it. Do I have to dedicate five days to it? No, four. Okay. What about when Tennessee led the Chiefs 24-0 in the finals back in 2020 and Mahomes put on a clinic? He is the man. And then went on to beat the 49ers. That's 5-5-4. So we're done for the day. I've got to say, yeah, happy birthday to my better half, Tracy. So celebrating her birthday today. So um, we are looking forward to helping you celebrate that when I get home, uh, Austin River and myself. Thank you, Brooksy. Uh, he's back with the run home. Joel and Fletch from 3 o'clock tomorrow. But right now, Barney and Robbie Slater on the airwaves of SEN.